Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to—like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. This is the Anxiety Bites Podcast, and I am your host, Jen Kirkman. Ugh. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just feeling it. Year three of this COVID pandemic. And, ugh. I don't even know if what I'm feeling is anxiety. It's just... Blah is all, is all the things. And and honestly, I'm not feeling it towards the virus. I'm feeling it towards people. I mean, yeah, the virus. Oh, I got my issues with this virus. If I see this virus, boy, do I have a thing or two to say to it. But people are making me just, I, I don't know, anxious, mad. Ugh. Or maybe I'm blaming people when I'm really just not checking into my real deeper feelings about the lack of control. That living through a global pandemic that keeps mutating makes us feel. You know, I I, I started to, I refuse to say get back to normal, even though I say it a lot, but I don't even mean it when I say it. But I started to go back to doing things I used to do enjoying myself at a restaurant. I'm vaccinated. I, I am living in New York right now. And we had some of the lowest cases before Omicron. I mean, honestly, you would have had to really try to get COVID if you were vaccinated and boosted, which I, I was back in October and early November. And I was going to restaurants indoors. They check your vaccine card. It felt very safe. And it did something for the soul. And then here comes Omicron. And and I don't, listen, my life's great. I don't mean to sound like a victim. A lot of people have it worse. So I certainly don't mean it. But I found myself once again, back in that familiar feeling of, oh, 
stop the planet. I want to get off. These people here are making me crazy, you know? That was what that was the first thing I said when I first, first, first went to therapy decades ago. I'm fine. It's everyone else and how they behave that's the problem. So if you could just give me some tips, thanks. <laughs> when you say that to a therapist, boy, are they just excited. They know you're a patient they will have for a long time. Because of course, of course, when we feel so many things, it's always good to look within and not just without or look out at other people and think, well, what are they doing wrong to make me feel this way? But whatever's causing it, I don't know. I can't put a name to what I feel. I talk about it with my guests today, the Anxiety Sisters. I, I call it going into some kind of like emotional shutdown. But just wake me when it's over. I'm irritable. You know, I think that's what it is. My anxiety is posing as irritability. I'm irritable at, well... We're all going to get it anyway, so hope I just get it. I can't stand that attitude. Especially, I mean, I'm talking about people who are vaccinated, who've been doing all the right things, and then suddenly, ah, well, you know, I might get it, so hope I do, and I can just get it over with. Is though, what are you, a scientist? Suddenly, you can see into the future, so if you get this variant, it'll just be mild. And uh, then what, you, you can't reinfect? Because you can. I mean, I don't want to get into this whole virology discussion. Is that a word? I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm just a human trying to get through this damn thing. And I, get, I can feel it in my body. It feels like someone put a weighted backpack on my shoulders when I even just read a tweet or something from somebody saying, well, we're all going to get this someday, so I hope I get it soon. I want to get back out into my life. I'm like, why aren't you thinking of others? Why just, ugh. <laughs> so that's where I'm at today. And I, I listen, I tried to avoid talking about this pandemic as much as I could on this podcast, because I know if you're listening to a podcast about anxiety, you probably don't want to think about that right now. And when I first started this podcast, we were, again, pre-Delta, that's how I think of my life now. What variant was going on then? I don't even think of what age I was or what month it was. Well, this was post-vaccine pre-Delta, but that's when I started this podcast. And we interviewed a lot of people months and months and months in advance before their episodes came out because I wanted to talk to them about very specific, timeless, evergreen anxiety topics, neuroscience and meditation. But a lot of times when people, you know, before the, we rolled the audio, I would say, let's let's not mention the pandemic because th this might air in four to six months. I don't know where we'll be at that point. It might sound outdated. It might sound outdated in a good or a bad way where people are like, what? what? Oh, my God, I forgot about the pandemic. It's totally over. Or it's 50 times as worse and, and we're kind of not taking it seriously enough because we didn't know when, when we recorded. So... This week, we're sort of more in the present. Uh, this, this episode was not filmed too long ago. Filmed? What? Can I speak? Recorded. Um, it was recorded last week. So I do ask the Anxiety Sisters, what are they seeing out there? Because they have this giant community of people who have anxiety that they interact with. And so we do talk a little bit about that, about how everybody is experiencing anxiety during this time and what we can do to take care of ourselves. And, you know, it was interesting. They, they caught me in a moment, the Anxiety Sisters, of beating myself up. I, I said something like, oh, I don't know. I think in a childish way. And they said, hey, 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 no. <laughs> don't talk bad about yourself like that. I love when people who are experts in anxiety can see me doing my unhelpful cognitive thinking in the moment. So let's introduce our guests Enough of me. Got enough of me last week. My guests today are the Anxiety Sisters. No, they are not related, but they are soul sisters in having anxiety. They have been friends for decades, and they have a great book that's out right now called The Anxiety Sisters Survival Guide, How You Can Become More Hopeful, Connected, and Happy. The Anxiety Sisters are Abby Greenberg and Maggie Saracher. Now, 
There is so much to tell you about them. They have a podcast called The Spin Cycle. They have their book, The Anxiety Sisters, and I will link all of this in the show notes. But what is the most impressive is that Abby and Maggie have a community of over 200,000 people that they talk to, as they put it, constantly. You can go to their website, anxietysisters.com, sign up for their newsletter, and they'll send you a free progressive muscle relaxation. But their Facebook page has become really huge. They have forums um, on their website, but that was changed and now it's gone over to Facebook. So here, finally, a good Facebook story. So their Facebook page is extremely active. They do all of their own moderating and they say they have one of the kindest, most supportive, gentle groups going. And if you send them a message, they will absolutely email you back. It may take a little bit, but they will do it. They have a book group on Facebook Live on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. They do a chapter from their book a week and they give a presentation based on that chapter. And they do a very private Zoom group called the Coping Crew if you want a little more care and are able to pay for that. So I'm just so impressed that they take so much time out of their weeks and their days to help others. And they are in touch with people. That that blows my mind. And it was great to talk to them because I always love talking to people who, just like me, had anxiety before there was the internet. And we didn't even know the words to use to try to get help. And what dawned on me while I was talking with the Anxiety Sisters is, in a way, I feel really grateful for that because when we talked about our anxiety to whomever we could talk to it about before the internet, we would describe our physical symptoms, the sensations we were feeling to the best of our ability. And we really thought what was wrong with us was something physical. And so we didn't just say, uh, I'm having anxiety. We would say, I'm driving and I feel like I can't breathe and I'm going to faint and I need to pull over. And so in a weird way, all of this anxiety talk and labeling things anxiety is wonderful. But every once in a while, I do think we need to step back and talk about the hundreds of individual symptoms that anxiety can be from an arm that feels numb to chest pains, to feelings of unreality, to irritability, to even digestive issues. There is, as they say, if you have a body part, anxiety can somehow be involved in that. So enough of me. Let's take you to my chat with the Anxiety Sisters. Now, am I allowed to say that I'm an anxiety sister too? Oh, we we hope you are. <laughs> okay. I'm your, I'm your sister in anxiety. And, uh, you know, what I loved in you know, reading your bio was that you two were anxious kids, anxious teenagers, anxious young adults, anxious middle-aged adults. And now we're all anxious middle-aged adults, but at least now we've got some information and it's more normalized and we have the internet, but just like me, you all were figuring this out in a world where I don't even know if the word anxiety was being used. And, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but I thought you were either normal or crazy. And crazy meant you live in a padded room for the rest of your life and your family visits you once a year. And so I didn't want to tell anybody because I felt like it was like confessing to a murder. Like if I say something, then this whole thing's going down. You know, my life's changing forever. So can you take me through your lives together and and why this is um to me so unique is that you had each other and you know friendships grow apart all the time and that you both <laughs> stayed anxious together but helped each other through it can you tell me your story in your own words well we we met in college in the late 80s and uh so we say that we're although we're not biological sisters we are definitely soul sisters because after 34 years of tolerating each other we definitely have earned that <laughs> we're we're, not, we're now linked forever um but i think that what attracted us to each other initially was just sort of that panicked expression we both wore on our faces all the time and i i think we felt like kindred spirits right mags i mean isn't mm -hmm. that sort of i mean i looked at her 
you know, I listened to sort of the things that she talked about and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that too. And she seems like the kind of person that I could confide in and mm. tell her that, you know, I, I did you, you know, I, I went to the counseling center and they weren't really <laughs> I laughed just because those are, those were never helpful back then. No, I, I you know, it's like, I felt, I felt like I didn't want to tell anyone I went to the counseling center because some people were like, oh, why? What's wrong with you? So I, I didn't want to tell anyone, but I felt like Maggie was someone I could tell. I don't know why. She just looked like someone who either had been to the counseling center herself or at least understood. <laughs> and I said to her, have you gone to talk to anybody about this? And she was like, oh, yeah, it didn't really help. I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so that's kind of how the conversation began. We lived in the same dorm and really ended up spending a lot of nights sitting together and talking about what ended up being our symptoms of anxiety and even some depression, we just didn't have the vocabulary for it back then. People weren't talking about it. I mean, I know I thought that I, there was just something physically wrong with me and that I'd probably die from it eventually. I just didn't know what it was. And Maggie <laughs> thought she had some sort of stomach ailment that was most likely cancer or definitely fatal. And we kind of, you know, lamented the fact that we would have, you know, very anxious and short lives. You know, I have the same thing, Abby. I I thought as well, you're reminding me that I didn't just think something might psychologically be wrong. I, I had panic disorder undiagnosed. And so I thought, oh, I just have a heart condition or something that's that we don't know what it is yet. But if I feel like this 10 times a day every day, I'm probably not going to live very long. It's probably going probably gonna to kill me. We like to say that we had our 20s was our decade of the is where, you know, we still didn't really understand this idea of anxiety disorder. Um, and we, we each sort of decided, okay, we're going to go see what is actually wrong with us. So we went to the nutritionist and the cardiologist and the hypnotist and the past life regressionists and the psychiatrist, the therapist, you know, whatever is there was. And Whomever would take our money, we were there trying to find the reason why we felt like we felt. We would go anywhere or do anything that offered some hope because we were both so, even though we had each other, we were very isolated and lonely because I think anxiety disorder does that. It makes you feel set apart from others. And we felt really alone. Like we thought we were the only two people that were dealing with this. Um, yeah. So, and we didn't have the internet back then. So we didn't have the access to other people saying, yeah, I experienced this also. And, you know, we tried to look for that and we, we couldn't find it. We went to the bookstore, you know, we're book people. So yeah. we went to the bookstore and thought, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll buy books about anxiety and, and that will make us feel better. And, you know, I had a full blown panic attack at Barnes and Noble <laughs> because the book that I pulled out, it was some had panic in the title and it was bright red. And do you remember that, Mags? Yes, I do remember it. I have to leave the store. I did because I was starting to shake. And some of the books that we were reading, I mean, they were really, they were written by very respected experts who absolutely knew their stuff, but it was very clinical and very prescriptive. And all Mags and I kept saying to each other is, I don't think we can do this. I, I mean, one of the books that we read told me that I needed to do heavy cardiovascular exercise 30 minutes a day. Well, I gotta tell you something. In my panic, my heart raced to ridiculous levels, and I was already sweaty. And I thought, I, I can't make my heart go any higher than this. You know, I'll just get on the elliptical and blow up. Anxiety Bites will be right back after a quick little message from one of our sponsors. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep.
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. So when you all are sitting around talking about your anxiety, and again, there aren't these words for it per se, what what kind of, do you remember what kind of things you're saying when you're talking about your symptoms with each other? Like what words were you using? Well, I, you know, I, at different times it was, it was different as we went along, but I think, you know, for us, there were some things happening in our lives that just um, indicated a problem, but we didn't really connect the dots in our, in each of us had that, you know, or we didn't even know that it wasn't quite um, typical to, I don't know, you know, so I, I had developed at, at one point, a lot of phobias. Um, I, I knew that wasn't typical, but um, I didn't know the word phobia or exposure therapy that type of thing. But I knew, oh God, when I'm, when I'm driving in a car, I'm getting more and more nervous and, and I can't drive in the rain. I have to pull over when it's raining. Yeah. Or I remember visiting Abby at her grandmother's. We, so we must've been, you know, in our early twenties and she lived about an hour and a half away from where my parents lived and I had taken their car and that trip took me six hours because I kept having to pull over. And so, you know, I think a lot of times, and Abby has her own version of that too, but I think a lot of times things were happening to us and we weren't quite connecting the dots, but, you know, so it was more like, wait, why is that taking me six hours? For for me, the symptoms were so pronounced. And, you know, in your 20s, you're just not expecting to have chest pain all the time. You're not expecting to be dizzy and you're not expecting for your left arm to suddenly go numb. You know, it's like I would watch these Bayer aspirin commercials and be like, oh, my God, I'm dying. Oh, the Bayer aspirin commercials. Totally. That was that was about the only thing that seemed close to what (laughs) I was experiencing. So I remember buying Bayer aspirin in my 20s. Yes. My conversations with Maggie would go something like this. She'd pick up the phone and and she would say hello. And I would say, "Okay, it's happening again. My oh. arm is numb. What do you think that's, what do you think that could mean? It, it has to be a heart attack, right? It has to be a heart disease thing. And she would say, well, yeah, but it's been going on for so long. It's probably, I'm like, yeah, but what else could it be? And so a lot of our conversations were, well, what could this be? We don't get it. And then I went to the emergency room. Not yeah. once, not twice, not three times, but four times. And in the fourth time, I actually said 
haven't you seen House? Look further. This is like a real, this is a real problem. You guys are missing it. You don't, and he said, well, we did the EKG twice. We, we checked your enzymes. You've done a chest x-ray. We really can't do anything else. Your heart is totally fine. I'm like, you people do not know what you're doing because I'm in here every week. And they didn't say anything like, gee, this could be anxiety. Well, on the fourth go around, he said to me, this is definitely anxiety and I'm going to prove it to you. He said, I have here a shot of Ativan. He said, which is a sedative. If you're having a heart attack, it's not going to stop your heart, a heart attack, he said. But if you're having anxiety, you should feel a little better. So he put it into my IV. And within 10 minutes, I'm like, this stuff is great. <laughs> How do I get me some of this? <laughs> that is, you know, I've never heard anyone, I've heard of people being told by their doctor, you know, this is anxiety when it was. but wow, what an amazing actual procedure that he gave you, which is I'm going to give you an anxiety medication. You know, uh, I mean, that's brilliant. I've never heard of that happening to anybody. Well, he was the first person who made me think, all right, it's possible that these sharp chest pains, that the shortness of breath, that all these things that, that sound to me like a heart attack, Maybe it's possible that this is coming from a different place. Maybe this is this is something in my brain. It's interesting that because as women, as you know, um, it dates back to the beginning of medicine. We were called hysterical if anything was ever wrong physically. You know, science still knows so little about women's bodies and women's health that it all boils down to um, we're hysterical, we're crazy. And yet, weirdly, so many women I know when they have gone to get their heart tested or get a stress test or see a cardiologist, that actually anxiety comes up on like the third visit. And it's like, of all the times that someone should be saying, this actually is in your head, <laughs> it sometimes doesn't seem to happen. And I, I know for me, a doctor once said to me, I mean, a, a therapist once said to me, for sure, go get all of your blood tests, go to the doctor and make sure nothing physical is wrong. And, you know, we can assume this is anxiety, but let's just make sure. And so I think that's always the best way to go. So in a weird way, um, people with anxiety end up doing the right thing first in a strange way. Oh, Um, we tell everybody, if you are an anxiety sister, you've probably seen cardiologists, neurologists, gastroenterologists. You know, you've seen probably... In some sense, you've seen like so many doctors and gotten things checked out. And we always tell people to do that, you know, because that that is responsible. Yeah. Because these symptoms are so physical. It's like people think, oh, anxiety. Oh, I feel a little anxious. No, it's not. You may not think, you know, I know I never felt like, oh, I'm anxious. I felt like, oh, I'm nauseous all the time. Oh, I can't eat. Oh, nothing's staying down. You know, so how is that anxiety? How is that not something wrong with my stomach? You know, and that's what's so tricky about anxiety is it's not a feeling. It's it's physical symptoms often. Yeah, Maggie, you're making me realize that, you know, in a weird way, you two were really lucky to not have language yet because nowadays it can get so sanitized. So I'm thinking of your story where you're driving and it's raining. It takes you six hours. You have to pull over. You know, nowadays you might say to someone, I'm feeling some feelings of unreality. I'm having anxiety driving and it just sort of gets washed over. And so what I'm experiencing a lot doing this podcast is people are writing to me and saying, now I don't have anxiety, but I have, and then they list 95 (laughs) symptoms of anxiety, but none of the symptoms seem typical. So they don't think they have it. And so in a weird way, it's kind of a gift that we grew up learning to describe each and every symptom. My arm feels numb. I I just have this feeling I can't complete the drive. So in a way, we were all really lucky because we are experts in knowing that anxiety is one word for a billion different things. And we have an easy acceptance now that, oh, this could be anxiety. We don't question it and say, how could that be anxiety? We did it first. But a lot of people I know that are, that are pretty savvy about anxiety are kind of going backwards. They're still learning all of the symptoms, but they know the word. Anything your body can do, any sound it can make, any smell, any fluid it can produce, anything your body can do, any organ, that something can happen during anxiety with that particular body part. In other words, if, if your body can mm. do it, it can be a symptom of anxiety. And, you know, we have a, a really large uh, virtual community in Anxiety Sisterhood, and 
a lot of our people are telling us all the time, really, this is really anxiety. So I think there's still quite a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't believe their symptoms. Can I ask you then, what was both of your first moments uh, when you realized, oh, this is anxiety and anxiety disorder. Now I'm on the path. Well, one thing I have to say is that that is for many of us. And we, like Abby said, we have this community of over 200,000 people who talk to us constantly. And I have to say that that's usually a process, you know, of someone saying to you, you have anxiety, and then you still can't really believe it because who can believe these unbelievable physical symptoms, these debilitating symptoms? Yeah. So, but the first time, believe it or not, that I thought, um, I had a therapist telling me, I, I, you have anxiety, but I, but I was like, she doesn't know what she's talking about because these symptoms can't be anxiety. But I called, uh, I, was, I was actually babysitting for my brother's son at the time and um, someone and my sister-in-law's sister called and I said, how are you? And I don't know why I didn't say fine. I said, well, actually, I'm, I'm nauseous all the time. I can't eat. I'm, I was living in New York City at the time. I, I'm afraid of the subway. I'm afraid of my elevator and my building. I can barely get to work. I don't know why I just like spit all this out, right? And she said, yeah, I I had that when I had agoraphobia. You have anxiety. Mm. And when she said it to me, not a therapist, not a doctor, but a peer said it to me, I was like, oh, she's telling me how she felt too. And somehow that turned a light on for me. We hear from a lot of people with agoraphobia, and I certainly had a case of it, you know, and Abby went through periods of time with it. But, you know, people think it's like, oh, they're afraid to leave the house. That's not really agoraphobia. Agoraphobia is really um, fear of having a panic attack when you're outside the house and not being able to get home or fear of, for some people, getting very sick outside the home and not being able to get home. So it really is agoraphobia when there are all these places. It starts often with transportation. Um, But there are all these places that you can't go. And we have a term we like to use called shrinking world syndrome. So Oh, I love that. Yes. So even if it's not quite agoraphobia, even if you're sort of don't quite meet that diagnosis, as soon as we say, as soon as you're in the situation where your anxiety is making decisions about where you go, what you do, who you see, Mm -hmm. rather than yourself, you know, it's like these are, these are anxiety decisions, then you're starting to have this thing we call shrinking world syndrome. I think the misunderstood thing about agoraphobia and what you call shrinking world syndrome, it's not, I'm an introvert or, you know, it's not that it's, it's like desperately really wanting to do these things and really thinking you can't. It's like, it's like if you thought you had a broken leg and you didn't, you know, that's a perfect example in that it, you know, one of the things we try to do, Abby really knows a ton about neuroscience and she's taught me a lot about it. But um, one of the things we really try to do is sort of break it down to the simplest neuroscience we could give people, right? Mm -hmm. Because you start to realize it is like a broken leg, but it's happening. You know, you have this trigger happy amygdala. It is happening in a place in your body. It is something going going wonky or not working in a way that's going to benefit you. Yeah, it's real. And Abby, what was your first, okay, this is anxiety. Now I'm on the path. Or I know it's hard to say because it is a, a series of moments, but. I don't know if I ever got to that place because there's still days, you know, even now after I'm a bona fide anxiety sister and we've made our life's work to help people manage their anxiety so it doesn't manage them, even at that point, uh, there's still some days where I'll call Mags and I'll say, are you sure this is anxiety? 
There was never one particular day. I certainly, when that ER doc gave me the Ativan, you know, I have a science mind. So that was fairly, okay, that makes sense to me. That's logical. And I liked that and that helped. And that was when I went, started to see my first psychiatrist. But then Mm. I spent a lot of years grappling, you know, um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I manage my anxiety really well. And I, and I think I, I, I live a really full life despite having anxiety, but I still have it. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like, choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. You guys mentioned your online community. Can you tell me, you know, in some detail what exactly that entails? So are people able to, um, you know, talk with you? Are they, are they, is it a message board? What, what is this amazing community? Because I'm sure my listeners would like to be part of it. Well, they can, and it's totally free. Um, so they can come to our website, which is anxietysisters.com. And they can just, if you give us your email address, then you sign up for our newsletter and you get a a free progressive muscle relaxation. And it really connects you with the community. Um, And then also our Facebook page has become really, we had forums on our website and those were fine and people were chatting and then suddenly people be like, let's take this to FB. Mm. And everything was FB. And then before we knew it, everyone had kind of left the forums and gone to talk on Facebook. So our Facebook page is extremely active. I mean, Mags is on it all day long. We moderate everything. And we have one of the kindest, most supportive, oh. gentlest pages I've ever seen. We, it's amazing to me how 
how little discord there is with so many followers. It's nice to hear a good Facebook story for yeah. once. I mean, <laughs> it's a really active page. And uh, and we Max and I answer every private message and every email we get. So it, nowadays, with such big numbers, it takes a few days for us to get back to everybody. But mm-hmm. we talk to hundreds of people a week. Oh, you're saints. Well, we have a, a book group on Facebook Live on Tuesday nights um, at seven o'clock right now from our book, which is the Anxiety Sisters Survival Guide. And um, we do a chapter a week and we give a presentation basically based on that chapter. Um, and then we also have um, one thing, which there is a small fee for it, but we have a six week, very private, very closed group on Zoom um, called The Coping Crew. Um, that has its its own Facebook page. So it's like most of our stuff is free. There's a couple of things that if you want sort of a higher level of interaction. But it's completely free to talk to us. That's so great. Well, it's it's a great way to to sort of learn so much, you know, from each other. And, you know, we have a real sort of ethnography of the anxiety experience, everything from OCD, you know, to panic disorder and intrusive thoughts and anything, anything you can imagine. We've we've heard about talk to someone with it. You mentioned progressive muscle relaxation, and I so rarely get to talk to people about this. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. It wasn't in my plan, but I would love to chat about it. I, you know. My first foray into getting help was when I was 21 and I found progressive muscle relaxation to be the most incredible tool that I still use to this day. And it's really good for the person as well who doesn't want to meditate or doesn't even want to think too much about, is this anxiety? Is this not, you know, in quotes, normal people can do it. So this man in the thirties, when, you know, culture was changing and people were becoming kind of work addicted. So life was just work. And then you go drink after, and that's how you blow off steam. Oh, Edmund Jacobson. Hmm. He's the father of progressive muscle relaxation. And he wrote a book in the thirties called you must relax practical methods for reducing the tensions of modern living. And in the thirties, people kind of poo pooed him. Um, And obviously his work got, validated, you know, later on, but he was, um, they think of him as he said, it describes exercises for relieving the tensions that precipitate heart attacks, high blood pressure, indigestion, ulcers, and other disorders. And I'm not confident if he uses the word, um, anxiety, but he was a physician in internal medicine and he was also a psychiatrist. Oh, wow. So he, um, he's a hero to me because of that, but I love that you offer a free progressive muscle relaxation was that what that whole monologue was about. But do you, is that a tool that you find helpful? Yes, very. And, and actually we, um, we do think of it as a form of meditation. So yeah. for people who don't want to sit in the Lotus position, you know, sort of with the universal own, you know, that, that progressive muscle relaxation counts because you really are very mindful of your body. You know, when you're, it's progressively relaxing each muscle in your whole body that that meets the criteria for meditation you're really being mindful and in the present that's true i always i always say it's different only to welcome in the people that don't want to yeah. sit with their thoughts or notice their thoughts and i'm like you don't have to you just listen to someone and you right. follow their instructions which i'm really what relaxes me is like list making and following instructions and <laughs> okay you're and, an abby you're an abby yeah I'm a Maggie. I'm the opposite. But yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And and so, you know, yeah, just someone sitting there and saying, tighten your arms and mm-hmm. okay, now release, you know, and that to anyone listening, that's, that's all it is, is someone taking you through a series of tightening certain muscles and then releasing them. And it's when I am done, I mean, I literally can feel, I don't know what the thing is going through my body, but the cortisol releasing, I can feel actually like somebody put an out of van in my IV. You know, it actually feels amazing. Well, it's your body going from that fight or flight stress response into the mm-hmm. the, the rest and digest peace response. It's really, you're, you're going from your sympathetic nervous response to your parasympathetic response. 
And what's amazing is when you do one, when you do a PMR, when you're not even having an anxiety or panic attack, you just feel like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty status quo. <laughs> the amount it relaxes, you can't believe what you felt before. Like that was normal, you know, walking around like that. So in um, fact, that's the time to really do it as much as possible, because for a lot of us, once we're yeah. in that really anxious space, that becomes really difficult, you know, to, yeah. for some of us to do. So, some people can do that when they're really anxious and it really helps them. But a lot of us, um, it's a practice. So, so if you're yeah. if you're going to use an exercise like that, it, it's great to practice when you're not feeling so anxious. I guess that makes sense because if you're doing your progressive muscle relaxation when nothing's wrong, yeah. um, then when you call it up when something's wrong, your your me muscle memory, right? It says, oh, I know how to do this. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And the same thing with visualization. We teach people how to come up with a serene scene in their mind. And they do mm. this when they're not feeling a lot of anxiety, when you know they're kind of at that stable anxiety place. And to, to come up with an, a place where you feel safe, it can be yeah. indoors, outdoors, it could be a made up place, it could be your grandmother's living room, wherever. But we, we really encourage people to put in as much sensory detail as possible when they're visualizing this, because the more sensory detail you put in, the more your brain feels like you're actually there. And we teach people to do this when, like I said, when they're not at the height of their anxiety, so that when they are experiencing acute anxiety, they can call that up much quicker. I think that's the thing with a lot of our tools is that we we usually encourage like that preparation piece mm -hmm. because, you know, while you're in that fight or flight response, um, what's happening is your frontal lobe, you really can't use your sort of executive functioning and decision making and reasoning skills very well, that whole yeah. frontal lobe part of your brain. So it's sort of like we we need to be prepared with what to do when we're in a situation where the anxiety is just getting getting really high. Um, and so whatever the technique is, we kind of encourage people to sort of be ready with different different techniques. That makes total sense. We'll continue the interview on the flip side of a quick message from our sponsors. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. It sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning. It's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. So, you know, a lot of my podcast has not dealt with the pandemic too much because I've recorded a lot of episodes in advance. And I also feel like it's in the back of our minds is, yeah, yeah, we know it's going on. That's why I'm listening to an anxiety podcast. Do we have to directly (laughs) talk about it? You know, but I kind of do want to directly talk about it because I am, I'm not sure what I'm experiencing, but I'm experiencing maybe a little bit of a shutting down, which is one of my bad tools for anxiety. And, you know, I'm vaccinated, I'm boosted, I'm masking up, I'm doing all the things. But I was enjoying myself for a bit before Omicron hit, you know, and I'm living in New York and we had like the lowest cases ever anywhere. Shown my vaccine card at the restaurant and going in without a mask. And oh, I just, I didn't even realize what I'd been missing. And then here comes Omicron Mm -hmm. and I have a beautiful life. And just like no complaints and I'm healthy and I have friends and job. But it's that little bit of freedom that was taken away. Uh, Well, of course, obviously I can go anywhere I want, but I'm a little concerned. I don't want to catch it. And I kind of go into this shutdown mode of like, you know what? Wake me when it's all over. I don't even want to sit outside and see friends, you know? And that's a kind of childish black and white response. You know, I have friends saying, well, why don't we take a walk? And I'm like, no. You know, I'm, I'm just, I want to hibernate. And what are you seeing with people with kind of the resurgence of the intensity? I know the pandemic never went away, but we're in a real back to, you know, doing our own personal lockdowns. Are people more anxious or what are you seeing? Well, Jen, first of all, I wanted to say that, um, don't call yourself childish because you're protecting yourself. That's true. And, and, and we are seeing a ton of anxiety during the pandemic. And we keep reminding people that your brain's trying to do a good thing here. Your brain yeah. is trying to protect you from what it perceives as a huge danger. And certainly in the first two years of the pandemic, there was, I mean, we were being told all the time, you know, if you take off your mask and you're not vaccinated, you could die. I mean, that's, that's pretty anxiety provoking. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that, but, but I think that what, what we're seeing lately is that we did, we got like this, this break for a few months where we were, we were all sort of stepping outside again and we were all starting to go into restaurants again and we were starting to see our friends and family. And I was on airplanes and Mags and I had, we had actual events planned and workshops yeah. and got all exciting. Like, Oh, things are going to be normal again. And we're going to be able to go back to living and hugging and kissing each other. And then Omicron showed up and it was sort of like, you know, you want to lick? Nope. You can't have it. Go back home. <laughs> yep. You know, and, and I, I'm back in lockdown in my house. I'm not seeing my grandchildren. I'm not seeing my kids. And it's really hard. I have a lot of anxiety around that because I was, you know, a month ago, I was in Colorado visiting my son. Yeah. And now, you know, so I think we're seeing a lot of that. A lot of people feeling that, that confusion, too, because it's hard for your brain to keep going on and off. You know, should I be anxious? Should I not be anxious? I think that that's something that that we're experiencing now, particularly with the with the new variant. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, you know, it's mild. I, I You know what? I just want to get it, get it over with. Yeah. And to me, I'm thinking... You might think I'm anxious because I'm masking up everywhere and not going anywhere, but you're anxious too. That's just a different anxiety response, isn't it? Like like they think they have this control, like, oh, I'll just get it. It will be mild. And then dot, 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 it will protect you from what? Future variants that we don't know about? This is an evolving science. So it's been interesting for me to look at everything through the anxiety lens and and people who seem not anxious because they're out and about, in my opinion, they're just as anxious as me. Does that... Do you think I'm onto something? <laughs> you know, because it's an evolving science and, you know, obviously we're getting so many different, um, we're hearing a lot of different voices, right? Of yeah. like, 
it's not very clear always exactly what to do or what not to do, right? So, you know, that's anxiety provoking for all of us because that's like this uncertainty. Um, And yes, some people sort of shut it out and just say, you know, whatever, I'm just going to do whatever. And some people lock down and people go in between. But what we tell people is, um, I think we're all fatigued. Yeah. I think a lot of us are, you know, feeling lonely at this point in the pandemic or um, just exhausted. And so we always say, you know, have a lot of compassion for yourself and for each Mm. other. You know, it's like coming back to that piece of like, I am doing the best I can in these circumstances that, you know, we have no, we've, you know, we're, we're in the middle of our lives and we've never seen this before. Right. You know, so I am doing the best I can in this like very chaotic world right now. And so what I need to do, I need to do. You know, and so that's just like having that self-compassion because we know that when we start criticizing ourselves a lot mm. or start like yelling at ourselves or saying, oh, I'm childish, I'm this, I'm that, we throw ourselves into the anxiety response. When you get yelled at, you go into that fight or flight often. Yeah. So it's like the way that we can use our best thinking and planning and reasoning is to stay as much as possible in that rest and more closer to that rest and digest. And we think that starts with the self-compassion piece. And another thing is, you know, we're talking to people every day who, you know, are very anxious about going back to work during the pandemic now, you know, uh, although now some places are going remote again. And like Maggie said, the, the goalposts keep moving. It's hard to know, should I be going to work? Should I not be going to work? It's, it's really hard to know. Uh, what the right thing to do is. But uh, one thing people are talking about a lot is how angry people are. Yeah. So Mags and I try to remind people that for some folks, they express their anxiety through anger. Mm -hmm. You see that anxiety out there, even in other responses, like if someone's like, oh, I'm just going to get it and get it over with. And that you're absolutely right. That absolutely is an anxiety response of its own. So is anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a therapist tell me, you know, your anger is anxiety. It's also um, you want to cry actually, you know, that's, you're, you're covering up like the grief feeling, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I know we're both familiar with Claire Bidwell Smith's, mm. the missing yes. stage of, ang- of grief is anxiety. And I think that's right. You know, all these people that are being duct taped planes and, you know, um, I don't think it's as much of a political, it, I mean, I think this whole thing's been politicized, which is a whole other podcast, but I don't necessarily see someone who doesn't want to wear a mask as, um, in a certain political group or even an anti-vaxxer, um, even if they are, it's to me, the bottom line is anxiety. anxiety. I've never, you know, they're saying I've never, I've never had a lack of control over the universe affect me. It's much more obvious now how little control we actually have. And I think that a lot, like you said, it's a lot less political than some people may think. Mm-hmm. Loss of control, living in an uncertain world. And some people's response to that is anger. And so when you were talking about self-compassion, you you brought me to my thesis that I have, which is there are a billion ways to, well, there are a million tools we can put in our anxiety toolkit, whether it's progressive muscle relaxation, therapy, cutting out sugar, jumping up and down, breathing, whatever. Everyone knows this. For me, I truly believe that what makes people not want to try is there's a little bit of a lack of self-esteem there, like deep, deep down, that's like, I don't deserve to feel better. Or it's hard to even know how to take care of oneself. And so when you're saying that, like the most important tool of anxiety relief in this re-uppance of the pandemic is have compassion. Like you caught me saying, I'm thinking like a child. It's like, it's so ingrained to just insult myself. And I think for other people that have never taken the first step to to get any help, professional or otherwise, I think there's, there's a little bit of like, who am I to get help? Other people have it worse, you know? And I think that self-compassion is a really big part of once we get our self-esteem in place, then we can have compassion. Then we can take the steps, right? Along with that, yes. Self-compassion sort of really, um, once you, once you really start to practice self-compassion, it can really like sort of change the lens. You see that we have seen a lot of things through. We've done a lot of training um, with Kristen Neff, 
who's sort of the mother of the modern self-compassion movement. And, and it really changes the lens of how we experience a lot of things. Um, mm. And, and one of the things that we're really careful to do within that self-compassion, um, and we're working on doing this better with ourselves too, is, is not having a lot of shoulds. Um, because, mm. so it's like, you know, one of the things that happened when, when we were both really having terrible anxiety was people said, well, you should cut out sugar. Well, if I could cut out sugar, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, like that's the battle of my life. Okay. Yes. <laughs> or you should do this or you should do that. And what we say is like, you can take really small steps. You can find something that works for you right now, even just a little bit. And that is great. You know, mm -hmm. so one of the things Abby and I always say, like something that helps us so much, both of us, is being out in nature, which sounds very cliche, but that doesn't help you if you really can't leave your apartment, right? Yeah. But we know even bringing a plant into your space mm -hmm. is something, you know, having your cat or your dog to cuddle with or whatever, whatever piece you have. So there, that part of the self-compassion is thinking like, is sort of learning their really small pieces, really mm -hmm. small steps you can take and everything counts. And, you know, Mags and I, when we set out to write the book, we said that we wanted to write the book that we needed and what we needed, we didn't need anybody telling us what we should do because that created a list of other things that we would fail at because our anxiety yeah. wasn't allowing us to you know, to function as well as we wanted to. And so we just didn't want to have to screw anything else up. And yeah. so we decided we would write a book that would not be prescriptive, that would sort of recognize that one size does not fit all. And, you know, we always say to people, try this. If it doesn't work on Monday, you know, you could still try it Tuesday. It might work great on Tuesday. I mean, you know, yeah. the idea is to have no shoulds, right? Don't should on yourself. And then also to to really expand your toolkit. Um, you know, we call it a spin kit. You know, the things that you uh, mm -hmm. do to soothe yourself and, and, and get your anxiety out of the driver's seat. But, you know, it's like not everything fits all at once, even for us. And, and, and to know, to kind of be your own scientist and know this doesn't work for me today or this works for me on airplanes, but it doesn't work for me at the office. Um, well, we've come to the end of our session. I know I said I was going to ask stuff about children, but, but we had such an organic time that it didn't come up. So that's fine. I was glad to talk to you about um, everything that came up. You guys are so brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, so I have to say goodbye to you ladies. And I, I thank you for coming on. And I hope that everybody gets into your community. And of course, you know, in the intro, I'll be promoting all of your, your, your podcast, your book, your community, and, and um, if all the links will be in the show notes. But thank you for chatting with me. It, it was such a great way to start my morning. I feel like I had a, like an anxiety sisters meeting and yes. everyone gets to listen to it. I hope you enjoyed my chat with the anxiety sisters. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We did actually talk a little bit longer than, than you heard because we started talking about Prince. <laughs> And you know what? It was it really wasn't related to the episode at all. And so I, I I had them edit it out. I had my producers edit that out because, you know, you want to stay on topic. But man, we did have a fun conversation about Prince. It turns out that uh, Abby and I have had a similar Prince dream before after he died. So who knows? Uh, maybe he was visiting us in his dream. Maybe her dream was fake and he was really visiting me. I mean, that's probably what it is. Anyway. Why am I talking about a thing that you didn't hear? Making you feel like you missed out. You did miss out. But here are some takeaways from the episode that will probably help you with your anxiety more than hearing about a dream I had about Prince one time. These are takeaways from this episode, The Wisdom of the Anxiety Sisters. Number one, get everything checked out by a doctor so that you can rule out any physical issues when you're beginning to deal with your anxiety. Two, What's tricky about anxiety is it's not just an emotional feeling, it's often physical symptoms. Three, anything your body can do, any sound or smell it can produce, any fluid it can produce, any organ you have can do something that can be a symptom of anxiety. Four, unfortunately, a lot of people don't get help for anxiety because they don't believe that their physical debilitating symptoms are anxiety. 
five. Agoraphobia is really a fear of having a panic attack or getting sick away from your home and not being able to get back in time to get to safety. Six, as soon as your anxiety starts making decisions for you about where you go and who you see and how you see yourself, you're starting to have what the anxiety sisters call shrinking world syndrome. Seven, for people who don't want to sit in the lotus position and meditate, progressive muscle relaxation does count as a meditation. Eight, progressive muscle relaxation helps your body go from the fight or flight response into the rest and digest peaceful response. Nine, when you're in fight or flight, the frontal lobe part of your brain is affected to where you can't use your executive functioning, decision-making, or reasoning skills very well. 10, have a lot of compassion for yourself and for each other. 11, don't criticize yourself right now. You're doing the best you can in this very chaotic world right now. 12, try to avoid thinking in shoulds, like I should do this for my anxiety or I should do that. Don't should on yourself. 13, part of self-compassion is learning that there are small steps that you can take that can be transformative. Like if you can't get out into nature, you could get a plant. And lastly, if one anxiety relief tool doesn't work one day, maybe it'll work another day. Again, how to get in touch with the Anxiety Sisters and enjoy everything they have to offer. Just go on to those links in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And just remember, anxiety bites, but you're in control. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. After six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.